Hello, TV writers. Just a quick word uh, before we start to let you know my online course, How to Write a Sitcom, is on sale for only 29 bucks. That's less than a week's worth of lattes. And so many of you have expressed interest that I'm keeping this sale going until I come back from my hiatus in October. In this class, I take you through the steps I've been teaching at university for years. You'll have videos and worksheets that'll guide you in organizing your ideas. And you'll have as long as you need to work through this class. It's completely self-paced. Sign up now by clicking on the links in my show notes or by heading to my Thinkific website, writetv.thinkific.com or writingtv.info. And now, an episode of our podcast. What if I told you that some of the greatest episodes for some of the most important sitcoms in TV history were pitched in story meetings for no more compensation than a chicken salad sandwich? Hello again, TV writers, and welcome to How to Write TV, the podcast that gives you the tools you'll need to write your own original TV content. I'm your host, Tom Bray. Okay, okay. Maybe I exaggerated about the chicken salad sandwich thing. But the idea of a TV writing staff did not always look like it does today. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you about that. And why it might be a good idea, after you've written your original pilot script, to order some takeout and assemble a makeshift staff of your own. But first, the time-traveling harp music. Now today that harp means that we're back in the early days of sitcoms. Let's say the 1950s and into the 1960s. TV writing staffs look very different than today. According to legend, for example, Carl Reiner, who created The Dick Van Dyke Show, wrote the entire first 10 or so episodes all by himself in the summer before production started. No staff. The idea of having a bunch of writers on staff hadn't been invented yet. There were were some staff jobs, but not the six to 10 writers you would later see in modern TV rooms. Most shows had only one staff writer, a story editor. Carl Reiner was a story editor. The notion and title of showrunner hadn't even been invented yet. Now, many, many writers in the early days of TV were freelancers. Just what was a script writing freelancer? Well, I'm going to tell you. In those days of yore when TV was black and white, if you ran a show, you would assign out most of your scripts that you weren't writing yourself to freelance writers. A freelancer was a writer who was not contracted to any particular show. Now, in order to make a living as a freelancer, you had to sell a bunch of story ideas and get assigned a bunch of episodes for a bunch of shows. It wasn't an easy career, but it did have its good points, and one of them was the variety of of assignments that were possible. In any given season, if you were good and if you were lucky and if you could network, you you could be writing for a Western like Bonanza one week, a comedy like the Dick Van Dyke show the next, and a, and a crime show like uh, Perry Mason the week after that. It certainly wasn't boring. Writers had the opportunity to experience tremendous variety in their writing careers, although... 
Then as now, many writers did specialize in either comedy or drama. Now, it worked like this. You'd be invited, or your agent would arrange to have you go to a, to pitch a story idea in a story meeting. Now, if the head writer in those days called the story editor, liked that pitch, they would assign it to you and you'd have a freelance assignment. And that's where the deli food story comes in. Now, this might be a romanticized legend, but I've heard it from more than one source. On some shows, the writer in charge knew a bunch of writer friends, and at the beginning of the season, the writer in charge would invite them all in for lunch, and and during the coleslaw and the pastrami, the freelance friends would pitch story ideas. And at the end of the day, the head guy would pick the ones he liked. And by the way, it was a head guy, because in those days, there were very few female writers. Thank goodness that's changed. Anyway, the, the head writer guy would assign out the stories. And if you didn't get assigned a story, well, at least you got lunch. Now, you may be wondering by this point what this fascinating bit of TV history has to do with you and, and writing your original TV show. Well, let me continue. Eventually, and some say the Writers Guild of America did this, and they're the union representing writers, Uh, They wanted more job security for more of their members, so they negotiated in contracts for less freelancing and more staff jobs. Now, some believe that it wasn't the WGA that did this at all. It was studios that invented the staffing system. But however it was invented, it's certainly true that by the mid-1980s, TV staffs began to look like they do today, with a showrunner at the top and producers down to staff writers in the actual writer's room. Now, let's flash forward to the 1990s when I was writing. Although the staffing system was already in place, there was still a vestige of the come on over for sandwiches and pitch me idea. In this case, it wasn't episodes being pitched, but jokes. Let me tell you what I mean. When a pilot script got green lighted and shot, There was no staff of writers in place. It was just the showrunner at that point. The staff doesn't come on board until the show's picked up and goes into production. But a sitcom still needs to be punched up, even if it's only the pilot episode. And the jokes need to be improved and then tightened. And that's hard to do when you're all alone. By the time you've written multiple drafts of your pilot and it gets picked up and it's going to be filmed, you're so close to the story, it's hard to tell if the jokes are working. So... It was not uncommon for the creators of pilots about to go into production to invite writer friends over for a day to help punch up the script. Unofficially, of course, because no money would change hands. There were no contracts involved. Deli sandwiches? Sure. Now, I've been part of several of these unofficial rooms. And I sat with writers from a bunch of leading sitcoms, and we all pitched jokes. The thing we had in common was... We knew the show creator who asked us for our help. And that is what brings us to you. One of the things I emphasize to my students is the importance of forming a peer group of writers you trust and whose work you respect. If you don't have such a peer group, you should reach out and do some networking and create one. Now, a little review right now. 
By now, I've taken you through the steps of writing a sitcom. I think it's useful that we talk about them. You create a series premise logline. You rough in character descriptions. You create an episodic logline. You do a six-beat breakdown of the story. You do a paragraph outline. And then you do a full outline. And while you write your first script pass, you check to see if your story's working. Then you write a second one. You check to see if your dialogue's working. And, and then a third one where you might punch up the jokes. And once you have the strongest draft you can write, that's what you call your writer's first draft. Now, at this point, you might benefit greatly by assembling your makeshift writer's room. That's when you should call upon your peer group. Have them come in and help you punch up your script. Now, there's nothing unethical about this. The script and story are still yours, and you're still the final arbiter of what jokes stay and what jokes go in, what jokes get punched up, and what jokes get cut. This is no different than being the showrunner in the professional world. Be sure everyone you invite understands that the script is still completely your intellectual property. Make it clear that their payment for the session is that delicious deli sandwich. Now, in the pro world, the unspoken promise is if the show gets picked up and you, the guy that sat in the room and helped punch up the jokes, happen to need a job, well, your friend's going to consider you for a staff position. Oh, and one last thing. When you order the food, don't forget the pickles and the coleslaw. 